Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Danzibrink and I'm here again with my fabulous co-host, the lovely Sophie Claus. Hey Soph. Hello. <laughs> Hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we planning to talk all about today? Menopause and relationships. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> So, hey, if menopause wasn't tricky enough on its own... (laughs) Chuck in a relationship. Exactly. Chuck a relationship in and away you go. (laughs) So, you are quite... You're quite a new relationship, aren't you? We are, yes. With the lovely Stephen. Yes, the very patient Stephen. Uh, We met in 2017 on online dating. Ah. And it was on our third date that I decided to kind of bring up the topic that I was in medical menopause. Wow. Some people would say that's quite early, um, but I wanted to give... I wanted to get a feel for kind of how he would react to it. Okay. Um, and Especially because I obviously then wouldn't be able to have children. Yes. Um, but also just to see kind of what sort of person he was quite early on, because having a woman sit in front of you on the third date over dinner saying... I'm in medical menopause, soon to be surgical menopause. Um, did he know what those things were? He didn't. He he asked loads of questions. Did he? Which immediately made me like him even more. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, he's not just said, oh, right, okay, thanks for telling me. Um, he, he wanted to know all about it, like why I was in medical menopause, mm. um, what had caused it. And then I went on to explain about what would be happening with the hysterectomy and the oophorectomy um, and that that would put me into surgical menopause. Mm-hmm thus making me so I couldn't have children anymore yeah um and his responses to all of that was just he was just incredible from Mm. day one about it and I think being transparent and honest up front and kind of getting that conversation started from an early stage Mm. um really kind of helped shape shape our relationship going forward did he did he ask you about sort of apart from you know, kind of the question about children. Did he ask you, you know, sort of what the what the other implications of of that surgery was? Did he? He did, and at the time, um, as we've previously touched on in our other podcasts, I felt quite ill prepared for surgery. Yeah. Um, I just said to him, well, you know, I've had endometriosis since I was eighteen. Um, more recently, I've been diagnosed with PMDD, so I, I took him through that. I said, and this surgery is going to be the end of that. And I really feel like it's going to give me a new lease of life. Um, and it'll be great to be pain free because I've always had quite a lot of pain with endometriosis. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I said to him. I said, oh, I think I'll probably get the odd hot, hot flush here and there, but mm. that, that will be the worst of it. Mm. Little did I know. <laughs> I mean, God help us both because we were just not... I, I don't know whether maybe... Before surgery, I tried to protect myself by not looking into it too much right. because I, I knew very much that I'd got to the point where I needed to have the hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, but I think in some ways I may have even avoided looking at information and I definitely wasn't told by my consultant, you know, he did say, oh, you'll probably get a bit of a few hot flushes afterwards. Um, but I didn't know about the loss of libido, brain fog, risk of like vaginal atrophy and vaginal dryness. Mm. Um, I, the psychological symptoms, I, ha- I had no clue about. Yeah. And I think we both had quite a rude awakening yeah. after surgery. Yeah. 
because obviously for you with your relationship with Martin you've been together for years and years and years (laughs) and obviously I've spoken to Martin because Sophie's the young half of this podcast (laughs) team (laughs) I I wouldn't say I look it I look like a geriatric (laughs) but speaking to Martin it Mm. really struck me from the first time I met him how how much information he knows and how how freely he speaks about it. I mean, it's admirable. Yeah, bless his heart. He's pretty much surrounded by it on a... he. I mean, literally, his waking hours are surrounded by all things menopause because of my work. Um, but we were, we were probably equally ill-informed to mm-hmm. start with. You know, I mean, you and I have spoken about our own journeys in previous, previous podcasts, our gener- journeys to surgery and immediately post-surgery. Um, and if you want to listen to that, then I think probably go back to the first or second episode, yeah, something I like that. Yeah, the first one, um, But essentially, we kind of learnt together mm-hmm. because I... You know, I had very little information. And to be honest, when I was sort of, when I was doing really poorly um, for that time, you know, sort of those, it was probably a couple of months um, when I, you know, kind of really couldn't focus on anything. I certainly couldn't research anything. Um, He was not only incredibly supportive, but sort of trying to, he was trying to find out what he could. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have very much sort of learnt about, obviously we've learnt about my experience together. Um, and of course, how on earth could he, how on earth could he possibly be prepared? Because I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. So as a man, how on earth could he be prepared? Um, and it definitely did um, you know, I'm very happy to talk about it because we have both talked about it publicly on the radio, but it really did test our relationship. Mm. Um, and I, It's a huge amount of pressure on, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't really think it... <laughs> I don't necessarily think I was the one being tested because I was the one who was completely non-functioning. Mm-hmm. So it was this poor man. <laughs> Having to manage everything. Literally every so aspect of... you had two businesses, didn't you? We had three. Three businesses. Yeah. We had one that we ran each and then one that we ran jointly. Mm. Um, and he was having to do all of that, plus running our home, mm-hmm. plus going out to work, every, you know, to his business every day. And he was concerned about and, your safety yeah, on and, top of that. Yeah, and looking after me. So, you know, as, as I've said before, he had to bring my mum in um, to look after me. But, of course, he didn't understand why I was behaving the way I mm-hmm. was because he had no clue about all the things that estrogen does and how it has such an effect on our brain and our mood and how we feel about ourselves etc etc so you know as as I've said before I think you know sort of when it got really really desperate for me um and his only recourse was to pretty much demand an appointment with the doctors Mm -hmm. but you know that was oh gosh so I had my surgery in July 2012, and that wasn't until maybe February, March so, uh, 2013. Long time. So I'd done okay for a few months, and then about the November, December, I kind of fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So it took, probably took 
three, maybe four months for them to finally get me back to the doctors. And to be fair to Martin and my mum, they'd both tried really hard to get me back, Mm -hmm. but I was terrified. Um, There was no way. Um, So I think, you know, kind of he was so desperate because he didn't understand that he just literally, you know, sort of made an appointment, drove me back, sat me down in front of the doctor. But for the vast majority of that time, we had absolutely no physical relationship whatsoever. No, it's the same for us. I just completely shut down, don't you? Just completely stopped functioning in that moment. Mm. And then for a man, I can imagine, not only are they trying to keep running the house and doing mm. their jobs and go about the, the, the sense of normality that they've always had, yeah. they're also going to work terrified of what could be happening at home Yeah, because someone you love is for me in some ways I felt like I was being attacked by my own body in that Mm -hmm. moment because I when I immediately after surgery I was having such intense psychological symptoms but Mm -hmm. also that 20 hot flushes a day Mm -hmm. which for any of you that have hot flushes they they are exhausting see I was really fortunate and whilst the psychological symptoms were horrific Mm -hmm. the you know sort of the physical symptoms for me really weren't really weren't that bad well, I got to the point where I was so tired because of the night sweats that I kind of felt like I was tripping out a bit mm. um, and then the forgetfulness and just not being able to have a conversation that Stephen said he'd often be talking to me and I'd be looking straight through him yeah. so he'd be trying to talk about his day um, and that he just felt like he was getting nothing back a blank. and I think for anyone in that situation as much as you try to understand and you feel sympathy and empathy mm. It probably gets to a point for a man where he just he just feels completely helpless mm. and he just said there was many moments where he'd sit and go and cry mm. because he could just see someone he loved just being completely crushed mm. and he couldn't make it better and he couldn't even hug me at that point yeah. because I'd push him away and it. say I'm too hot yeah. um, and also I think you said as well that you, you kept waking Martin up in the night mm. yeah so mine was kind of mine was more um, mine was less sort of physical um, but for me it was the anxiety mm. so I would always be really really anxious before going to bed because I knew that I would wake up even when I did fall asleep I knew that I'd got into this pattern which was hormone driven but I didn't know at the time I'd got into this pattern of I'd wake in a panic with my heart racing at some point during the night and it would feel as though I couldn't move. It was, would feel like there was a weight on me and the anxiety would be horrific. And the first thing I would do would be, because I was panicking, would be that I would shake him awake. Yeah. And of course, the poor man was already sleep derived himself. And of course, the other thing is, is, you know, sort of partnerships are exactly that, aren't they? They're about mutual support, Mm. you know? So if your partner has had a bad day, they can come in and... Have a hug and have a listening Download that stuff. And of course, for Martin, and I guess for Stephen, Mm. they they didn't didn't have have that that at all for a, you know, kind of for a considerably long time. There was no physical connection. And we all know that, you know, sort of just having a hug... Mm or a kiss is good for our it's good for our endorphins it's good for our serotonin and just that bit of reassurance as well that yeah. you know we're still there yeah he I remember Stephen said that the first time he remembers the first time after surgery that I gave him a proper hug and mm. held on to him mm. he said because it'd been so long mm. and he remembered thinking this is 
she's she's still here mm. because I've always been a really tactile person. Mm. So I guess for somebody to go from having constant hugs mm. and snuggles and mm. and hand holding mm. to just being like you know he'd say you'd say get off me because mm. I was so hot and mm. actually but at the time it didn't register. But for me now, if I hugged him and he said, get off me, yeah. I'd be like, how dare you? Or <laughs> you know, what the hell's going or on? Or I'd feel really rejected. Yeah, and absolutely. probably really quite sad about it. Yeah. And he had that constantly. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, often um, at the menopause club, women say how they quite often feel so anxious or so tired mm. or so kind of full of brain fog mm. that they're just not in the moment to have any closeness mm. or you know or even conversation or even consider having sex no and or yeah conversation where they're just looking at them thinking can you just be quiet that i went through a lot of that i be- i was really really introverted deeply mm. introverted and all i would do was cry but i wouldn't talk about why i was crying um and actually i'll be if i'm really really honest <laughs> i can still i don't cry but I can still do the introverted thing. Mm-hmm. And I would say I'm... Um, it's, and it, I guess part of it is downtime for me. Part of it is like I just need quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely changed. Yeah. Definitely changed since I had my surgery. Mm. Um, and I'm much more in control of it now than I ever was. But during, you know, kind of during that first 12, 18 months... You know, even once I had my HRT um, and, you know, kind of, gosh, I could be snappy as well. Oh, irritability. Oh. I think that puts a huge strain oh. on relationships because I think you were saying about your uh, taxi drive driver you mm. had where he was talking about his yeah. his partner and yeah. her menopause. Yeah. And, you know, the irritability, as much as I often quite know that I'm being completely irrational. Yeah. But it cannot be stopped. It, it's just there. Mm. Stuff that never before surgery mm. would have ever bothered me. No. And then it does put on that strain because mm. you, you can only bite your tongue for so long. Mm. Um, and don't get me wrong, like men can be bloody annoying. Menopause doesn't make that worse. Mm. I'm sure we're very equally as annoying I'm to sure. men. I'm sure, absolutely. Um, but I think my tolerance level since menopause has yeah. kind of gone down to like 10%. Yeah. I'm a lot more of a hothead Mm. than I was before yeah I think it's really interesting as well you know I said at the conference the other day um that in recent months I've um I've counseled um several lesbian couples Mm. um and generally it's generally it's you know kind of the the half of the couple who are experiencing symptoms that because most of this is done by Skype or telephone mm-hmm. um who comes on to the Skype or whatever um and you know kind of a woman really really recently um we started a Skype conversation about her symptoms and I could kind of hear her partner <laughs> chipping in from behind <laughs> and basically what was happening was she not only had she recognized that some of the things I was calling off the symptom list she was struggling with and she hadn't recognized it was anything to do with menopause but when she said oh can I just come and sit in front of the camera too and they sat together and I talked to both of them it was the first time that they were able to pinpoint the reason that they were struggling more with their relationship 
particularly around the irritability and the snappiness was because of menopause and it was kind of it was brilliant because it was like a light bulb moment so the reason that I bring it up is because that's two women living together both going through yeah who both understand what it's like to have periods and you know kind of to have hormonal fluctuation to whatever level so that's two women who don't get it and have so made the how connection should a man? exactly yeah how so can a, a woman and a man it? living together it's kind of mm, okay this potentially is a big problem and i really think that's why we need education i do think it's true though women are from people. venus men are from mars we do think <laughs> completely differently and actually that's not a bad thing we, we need those two different perspectives yeah um, but i think one thing that i've definitely learned in this is that I can't have an expectation of Stephen just to understand everything because I don't even understand it. So why should he? Yeah. And I think initially I may have thought that he should really understand it. And like, oh, why didn't he get this? And it actually took me a while to think, actually, so if you're being quite unreasonable here, like if you're not fully understanding of what's happening to you, how could he? Yeah. Because, and that kind of made me then start having more open conversations with him saying, look, I know I've been really irritable today and actually yeah. I'm very sorry yeah. because you've, you've not actually done anything wrong. No. Um, on some mornings I wake up and I can just sense that I feel... Can you feel the irritation? Yeah, I just feel a bit like... Head up like it's under away. your skin. Yeah, like I'm just... <laughs> he just looks at me and breathes and I'm like... Yeah. In my head. So I'll say to him, darling, I've woken up in a bit of an irritable mood today. Um, so firstly, please try not to annoy me. But secondly, like, you know, I'm really sorry if I do snap a bit more. Yeah. And... He said he has said to me that by acknowledging it in the morning and saying to him, look, I'm just feeling a bit het up, yeah. that he then, that day, would kind of think twice. Yeah. And that's one thing I've learned with menopause I didn't have before. So I'd say it's a positive. Yeah. And I don't have many of those positives to share, <laughs> especially at the moment in my, in my hormone lull, is that I've learned to think before I speak a lot more. Mm. So... Definitely last year, that was not the case. Right. Like, anything that came into my head, I just blurted out. And yeah. then I'd just look and think, who said that? Mm. <laughs> Definitely wasn't me. Um, but I've learned, you know, to kind of pick my battles a bit. Yeah. And that actually, certain things just aren't, aren't as important as mm. I always thought. Mm. And, you know, if he sits next to me eating crisps really loudly, and it's one of my days where people eating near me really irritates me instead of looking at him with a murderous glance, yeah. I actually just leave the room. Right, Because okay. I just, it's just one of my triggers. It's one of my triggers is hearing people eat crisps. I don't know why. Mm. So I'll actually just extract myself from that situation now mm. because it's not worth saying anything. It's yeah. completely irrational. And it's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. Let him eat the, the blooming packet of crisps if he wants to. Yeah. Um, but it's just about, he said that he has learned to kind of bite his tongue sometimes, whereas previously in the first eight months after surgery, mm. he'd definitely react mm. to it. Mm. And now he just kind of, we've just learned to be a bit more tolerant. I mean, I, I've always been somebody who I really, I've always enjoyed quiet and quiet time, but I find that I enjoy even more now Mm. and I kind of crave quiet time now so sort of some days there can be the TV's going um, Martin's talking to me and I'm trying to send an email or something it's like sensory overload yeah and I I can't do that I've I've never been somebody who particularly likes crowds Mm. Um, I'm I can do it but I don't enjoy it 
Um, I don't do it. I just basically, I don't do what I don't enjoy anymore. That might sound really selfish, but it's not selfish. It's, it's about not. me looking after me. Looking after you yeah. and, what, and what you can, your personal boundaries. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm, I totally resonate with what you said about being less tolerant. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also important not to give yourself a hard time. That if yeah. you've gone from being somebody... Especially in my case, um, I used to love going out for like cocktails and yeah. to really like cosmopolitan sorts of bars. Okay. And now I feel like I want to hide when yeah. there's lots of clattering and noise mm. and there's just too much going on. And mm. I feel quite easily overwhelmed. Yeah. And quite often the anxiety will get worse and then I'll end up having a hot flush. Yeah. And my face will slide off because yeah. I do like wearing my makeup. Yeah. Um, so now I've actually just got to the point where I think, actually, no, I'm different. I don't enjoy that anymore. And it's interesting how certain relationships with friends mm-hmm. have kind of petered off a little bit. Because right. I'll say, no, actually, could we maybe go for a nice lunch on a Sunday and a walk mm-hmm. instead of going out on a Friday night into a town having mm-hmm. drinks? Um, but there's it, just a bit of a change. And it's just about being able to say no. Like yeah. We said earlier on in a, in a different podcast. But also it, kind of acknowledging that... You, you don't have to be a people pleaser. No. You need to put yourself first. Absolutely. And it's not selfish to do that. No. And I, th- I think quite often there's this thing that you just must do things to please everyone around you. Mm. And you can neglect what makes you happy. Mm. So I think menopause is a time to kind of have a look at what what you can deal with and what you enjoy. Yeah, I think it's, you know, sort of... I think it's, it's recognising the difference between selfish and self-care. Mm that's the that's the key like why um, put yourself through something if you're going to get incredibly mm, anxious absolutely and i think if there's you know sort of um i think if there's something to be taken from the experience of menopause whatever it is it's that it does give you clarity mm. i think it really does it it makes you um if you allow yourself time to reflect um you know once you're through you know everything that you and i have sort of you we're all kind of going through it but i definitely feel a little bit further down the line um i think you know sort of it does allow you to reflect to take stock so you know sort of there uh, definitely a broom has swept through mm. and you know kind of things people <laughs> etc <laughs> have you know sort of they have gone by the wayside mm. because you do start to recognize what is good for you and what isn't good for you um and i do think it gives you a, a certain clarity about you know sort of what it is you want to be able to achieve what's important to you you know obviously for me you know sort of making sure that this is an easier transition for women and men in the future mm-hmm. um that women's health in general is you know sort of prioritized a damn sight more than it is at the moment um so you know kind of it's very i guess it's very much focused me mm-hmm. on on what's important um but i it hasn't been easy um you know the whole relationship the whole relationship thing has not been easy and in fact martin and stephen are going to join us for the next one and give you their male perspective (laughs) give you their perspective which i really really hope it's kind (laughs) um, and which we really hope is going to be helpful for you perhaps to 
you know, sort of if your if your relationship um, is particularly if your relationship um, is with a man, um, then you know, sort of we hope that hearing their their perspective on this will sort of you'll something maybe you'll be able to play and listen to together and hopefully you'll be able to take something out of it that's if they're not too horrid <laughs> hoping that, yeah it starts a conversation between because I think with menopause it gives you that time to to make adaptations to your relationship you yeah. know things probably will change a little bit yeah. you know especially um from a sex side I think yep. after when you reach menopause a lot of women do experience um discomfort or vaginal dryness yeah um for me that has kind of made Stephen and I, our, our sex life did change as a result of menopause. Yeah. Um, and I was very conscious of making it clear to Stephen that I still find him incredibly attractive and I want that closeness. Mm. And we said earlier on about skin to skin contact, yeah. like, you know, sex does not necessarily mean intercourse. Um, but, you know, just even being naked around each other, sharing a bath together or having mm. a massage. Yeah. Um, or it doesn't it doesn't have to involve penetration, which no. is what so many women find uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but just having those conversations kind of openly, yeah. I think. You know And of course any kind of stimulation is good for the blood flow. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It helps keep your nerves at end the endings alive. Yeah, absolutely good for the blood flow. Um, but it's also good for the way that we feel about not only ourselves but it's, you know, sort of, it cements the relationship. Mm. And, you know, if the focus is always on sex being about penetration, I think we kind of miss out on so much of the sensuality of what it can be. Um, So again, I think it's a really good time to sort of, um, you know, maybe take a bit of a step back and say, yeah, yeah, you know, shake it up. Yeah, I can do. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with adding something in or doing something different. Um, a really good um, place to look for any kind of information on that would be looking at Sam Sam Evans, yeah, who's Diane's um, friend. Yeah, it's Joe Divine is her website. Um, I can't remember if it's .co.uk or .com. We can find out. And but, put yeah, it on we can for put you. that on. But Sam, not only um, not only does she, um, so Sam's an ex nurse. Um, she's a sexual health expert and she also writes an awful lot and does a lot of little kind of three and four minute videos um, about different aspects of sex and sexual health Um, and she's always really happy just to answer calls on you know sort of um, your questions etc particularly if it's around you know if you've never bought a sex toy before um, what you should be looking at, what kind of lubricant you could be looking at, um, because there are literally hundreds of them now. So sort of baseline is the more organic and natural, the better. Um, one that I know Sam and I often talk about um, is the Yes products. Um, important to say that um, Sophie and I have no affiliation um, with any company um, that you know kind of sells any sort of product that's a that was a sort of informed decision that we made before this um, so anything that we mention is something that we've either used personally mm-hmm. um, or heard good things about um, but yeah you know sort of there there definitely is there are sort of places that you can find information and I would say yeah Sam's website is a 
it's a great source of information. Yeah, a good portal to kind of look yeah, at. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we were going to, as ever, we were going to try and give you some useful hints and tips as yeah. far as relationships are concerned. And it's definitely something that we'll return to because there's so much more to talk about. Um, so one of the things that we would say, if, you are, if you're in a relationship with somebody who is either experiencing menopause or is about to have perhaps hysterectomy surgery for menopause or is going to have medical treatment that's going to result in menopause... Um, things that you can do to help you and her. So um, I think we would both agree um, educating yourself as much as you can. Yeah, knowledge is definitely power. Is a really useful thing to do. So places that you can sort of find um, good sources of information. So um, as ever, uh, menopausesupport.co.uk. Also the British Menopause Society. There's some really good info there. Um, Dr. Louise Newson has a great site um, called My Menopause Doctor, where you can find loads of factual, evidence-based information. Um, Amino Connection, if it's surgical menopause, yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Daisy Network, yeah, if you're, um, if, for, if you're particularly for women with early menopause. Um, so why is it important to get some education? Um, and I think it's because... The more you know, as Sophie said, you know, sort of knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you can understand it, the more supportive you can be. And I think you'll probably gather from this, if you're a partner listening to this, that Sophie and I have both felt pretty lost and lonely in this um, at times. And I certainly know that, you know, kind of the support of Martin is definitely what saved me um and helps me has helped me on a regular basis come through and their constant reassurance yeah absolutely um i think trying not to put your partner under any sort of pressure um i think it can be a really confusing time in any relationship um try not to ask how long is this going to go on for (laughs) (laughs) and when does it end because she doesn't know is the truth. Um, you know, it's not helpful to hear, um, particularly as Sophie and I were, you know, kind of in those snappy stages. <laughs> it's not a good thing to hear. Um, menopause from first symptom to last, you know, kind of last symptom on average lasts between four and eight years. Not every woman will be symptomatic. Um I think it's important to be there to offer support. As Sophie said, you know, kind of a hug can be a really useful thing. Um, Cup of tea, bath, um, really simple things can make a massive difference. Would you agree when you're feeling overwhelmed? I remember Stephen would always run a bath and put candles in there. And that just meant so much to me, just that I was being given that time to just just be in my own little bubble. Yeah. And him recognising that as well. Mm, that I needed it. Yeah. Um, I think very often partners are so desperate to help that they're trying to fix things all the time, which is completely understandable. Um, but... Can't fix it. That's, that's exactly it. You can't fix it. 
Um, you so can make I, adaptations to make yeah, life easier. Yeah. So I think probably the most useful piece of information we could give you is ask, say what would help, what can I do that would, you know, kind of help you in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Just recognise that you can't fix it. Um, you've heard Sophie and I both speak about the way that we can sometimes become quite silent and introverted. Um it's not aimed at cutting you out. Yeah, try not to take it personally. Um, you know, Martin often tells me that he felt isolated and cut out. Mm. Um, I can understand it completely why a man would feel that way. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes we're just trying to process what's going on. We just feel so overwhelmed with yeah. your own thoughts that you just can't even put words together. Yeah. So, you know, kind of try not to be, try not to be offended by the silence. Sometimes it's just what we need. Um, as you've heard, I have also been through my snappy stage. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still in it. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it can result in, you know, kind of a sharper tongue than you might have been used to in the past, um, as Martin will confirm for you. Um, and I would say to you, do you know what? Just walk away. Not in a strop. But just breathe and walk away. Just recognise that this is not the time to have the conversation because the chances are it will just turn into an argument that probably neither of you want. Um, so just know when it's, when it's the right time to just breathe and walk away and recognise again that it's not aimed at you. We've actually learnt to laugh about some of the things because yeah. in the last year we have had you know, some really heated discussions. We had we had one about a light bulb. Okay. I mean, really, in the grand scheme of things, a light bulb is just not important. Mm-hmm. But we now have, sometimes we'll just be snapping at each other and we'll just look at each other and it will end up in laughing because yeah. we just have this kind of in the back of our heads now. This is absolutely ludicrous. Mm. But we, you both recognise it, which we, is we're great. We're now recognising it because we've absolutely. spoken about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely so, a learning curve. Right? Yeah, oh, it re- a massive learning curve, <laughs> yeah. and I think any relationship that can, you know, kind of that can get through this mm. will get through anything. And it takes time. It takes time <laughs> to get used to. Absolutely. Um, if you can see that your partner is suffering with what you think are symptoms related to the menopause, um, it can be quite difficult to kind of to bring that conversation up. Um, but you could do things like, you know, sort of if you've got information that she maybe hasn't got, then, you know, sort of maybe find her something she can read, maybe print off the symptom checker and, you know, sort of encourage her where you can to go and see her doctor and seek some help for her symptoms. Um, and if it's at all possible, practically, offer to go because if you're feeling really rubbish, which a lot of the time I did, um, sitting down in front of a doctor who's got 10 minutes for your appointment can feel like an added pressure. Mm, um, so I think, you know, kind of if you can go to, you can maybe fill in some of the gaps, but you can also be maybe a quiet support too. Mm. Um, I have definitely become less sociable. Oh, I um, definitely have. There's no doubt about it. Now, that's fine for me. Yeah, I'm actually okay with it. <laughs> I'm absolutely yeah. good with it. Um, Martin is a really sociable person. 
and now quite often will go off to things on his own that we would have gone to before. And he's good with that. He's okay with that Mm. um, because he recognises that it's the right thing for me. Um, I'm very happy for him to still go because he enjoys that socialisation. I like curling up on the sofa with the dogs. Um, But in that initial stage... He found it quite hard to understand. Stephen and I are still in that bit where okay. he he kind of says, oh, I don't want to go alone. Um, and it's just still going through that process of kind of saying, you know, don't don't take it personally, but mm. actually the, the amount of anxiety it causes me mm. will ultimately come back and impact him yeah. because I'll probably withdraw um, or I'll, I'll even start losing sleep a few days before yeah. an event and then I'll become even more irritable. Yeah, so, um, so it's just learning from that yeah and as you've said lovely sometimes it's the anxiety mm. sometimes it's just the fatigue sometimes you're just absolutely knackered and you're too tired to and there's no on. exactly um and to be honest if you're somebody who's ever experienced social anxiety you know times that by a hundred or a thousand and in menopause, for some women, that can become absolutely crippling. Some and women don't even leave the house. No, and no attempt to entice her with, you know, nice restaurants, weekends away, lovely holidays is going to do it. Um, you know, as we've said, it takes time to work through it. And just remember that you are probably the only person in the world that, she feels really comfortable with Mm -hmm. and that she can truly be herself with. And if, as was on so many occasions, feeling truly herself was in tracky bottoms, a big woolly jumper and sad old bed socks. Porridge stained (laughs) pyjamas in my case. (laughs) Curled up on the sofa. Um, You know, maybe being curled up on the sofa with you in her tracky bottoms is where she feels safe. And Time. that's where she needs to be. So take it as a compliment that that's where she feels safe. Um, there's no doubt. I've got no idea what it's like to be on the receiving end of this because I was experiencing it personally and the same for you, Soph. Mm. But, you know, sort of one of the one of the things that got me through was knowing that whatever was happening he still loved me yeah and he told me at a time where you know I definitely did not love myself in that time yeah and to be honest I'm not sure that I would have been in a position to Mm. I'm not sure I would have been been as nice as he was (laughs) if I was throwing some of that behavior at him but you know sort of just sometimes we can feel so you know, we've done nothing on kind of body image and how we can feel about ourselves and how, bodies, do one on that. and how bodies change and stuff. But sometimes, you know, um, if you if you think, oh, my goodness, you know, look what's happening to my body. My body shape is changing. I know that I desperately need to exercise. I know that I should be eating better. But actually everything, you've got no energy for anything, not even having a better diet. What you really want is for your partner just to give you a hug, give you a peck on the cheek, tell you that they love you, however you're feeling about yourself. And it makes a, uh, uh, it made a massive difference to me. Mm, it me really too. helped me, get me through. Um, 
as we've said, um, you know, as I said much earlier, our physical relationship for several months was completely out the window. Um, that was partly because I'd had major abdominal surgery. Um, and then for me, psychologically, I was absolutely in no place to have any kind of physical relationship with anybody. Mm. Um, it, for me, it was just not something that I could contemplate. Um, Martin and I have talked about it a lot since. I know he felt very isolated about it. I know it was really difficult for him. He was massively respectful and never, ever put any pressure on me, which was amazing. Um, and, you know, I value him more for that. Um, but again, you know, sort of, it really isn't about you. Um, just if you can, if you can have any kind of conversation about it, um, I don't know about you, Soph, but mm. I just kind of find that being able to keep the conversation open is key to everything. They might not always be easy conversations. But they have to be had. Would just you... being open and honest with one another. And they can be hard, can't they? Oh, they can be really hard. Um, can... So, yeah, so, you know, kind of communication is absolutely key. Um, it's funny because menopause has historically been called the change of life and whilst I'm not particularly keen on the term just the way that the change is bandied around I think actually it can be a change of life and it can be a change of life not just for the woman going through it but for the relationship yeah for the partnership as well I think you know sort of we all change as we get older don't we mm -hmm. um men women we change physically and emotionally as we age but that doesn't have to be negative. It's about growing together. Exactly, exactly that. And I think, you know, sort of there's a... If you can keep that conversation open, that's a really good basis for a long, happy, healthy, fulfilling life together. And, you know, sort of looking at what life can be in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I say this regularly... But it's really important to remember that menopause is not just a women's issue. Um, if you know a woman, love a woman, and particularly if you are a woman, um, you really need to know about menopause. And as Sophie said earlier, knowledge is power um, and it can save relationships. Definitely. So communication and knowledge and open discussions... Yeah, absolutely make all key. the difference. Yeah, absolutely key. Um, so there's, again, there's a, um, there's a guide on menopausesupport.co.uk. Mm, it says the menopause support guide to understanding menopause for men, but actually mm, it's not just for men. Um, it's for partners, whether... Actually, it's kind of for everybody, I'm maybe going to rename it altogether um, because certainly, you know, whether your partner is a man or a woman, whether you are partnered, um, whether you are a, a man or a woman partnered with a woman, it will, it will definitely help. Mm -hmm. um, but in many ways, I kind of think a lot of those things apply whether you're, 
you know, sort of whether you're the friend, the relation, a lot of that stuff would still apply. Definitely. Um, Friendships, family relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe, some work, so maybe I'm going to have a, have a little look at the title of that. But anyway, um, again, um, it's on the website. It's free to download. And hopefully it will be a conversation starter. Fingers crossed. <laughs> As always, you can contact us on hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com. Um, but in the meantime, we hope you have a good week. And we'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye.